social media manager and I also do a little bit of copywriting so if you need any social media management um, whether it's short term if it's just an audit or if it's something long term please hit me up you can find me on Instagram at Natalie Topcliffe I have a website natalietopcliffe.com or go to Lazy Book Lovers Instagram and then click through to Tally's library and you can just message me from there okay love you thanks bye <laughs> do you, you offer base reading that you charge for i do do beta reading actually yeah and i'm going to start offering editing services as well so mm. watch this space. actually by the time this episode comes out if i have any form of you know being organized it might be up on my website so today we're going to do something a little bit different we don't know if we'll like it we don't know if you'll like it <laughs> <laughs> So we thought, we were trying to think of different things we can do, besides the same five fantasy books we just keep talking about. Anyway, I'm broke. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're clearly enjoying it. But anyway, so we thought we'd do poetry, just to wring some more use <laughs> out of that English degree We've got to that just I have. keep, keep just trying to keep... get what we can out of it, yeah. <laughs> but bizarrely, when I was reading some of this stuff, I either have forgotten it, or was never taught it, just about the history of poetry. I know a lot of the Western stuff, which isn't surprising, and the Western different, like, movements, but, oh my god, trying to find something about, like, the history as an overall, because a lot of those things influence poetry in the Renaissance, and it's just like, that's just not acknowledged. Um. <laughs> oh, it's a dial. <laughs> so we are, um... <laughs> Oh my god, this is not going to be focused, guys. We're doing our best. Yeah, we're very sorry. It's the end of the day. End of like, day recording for us. Of a, of a recording day that nearly got cancelled because life. <laughs> so Tony's house sitting, and while she was talking, I for some reason decided to start playing around with lights. There's a lamp behind us. It's, it looks like it should be a press button, but it's a twizzle. Oh, oh I like that top one on. Oh, on? it's spiking, so they can hear it. ASMR there. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, we had to turn the overhead light off because it was flickering. So. <laughs> oh, poisonous one. Oh dear. Right, poetry. All right, so. Tell us, Cliff, about it. No more about <laughs> poetry. 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 As a side note. I quite enjoy writing shit poetry. It's a little thing I indulge in. Just It's just for me. I know my poetry isn't good. But I really enjoy it. And it's, I never it's, knew this about you. Do you not know? They're on my blog. Oh, they I have written some. Um, you know what? I know they're not good. 
but they serve a purpose for me. <laughs> like, honestly, the ma- when I was younger, more, more so than these days, but like, because I don't really write anymore, but when I was younger, there was so much angsty poetry that I've got. <laughs> I'm oh, never going to do anything Well, I have like the painting versions of that. Like, mm. I, my mum's, when I look at all my old paintings, yeah. they're all very angry black. <laughs> So yeah, and then like, because I enjoyed studying poetry. I didn't like enjoy a lot of the pretentiousness at university around poetry. But actually, to study it, I enjoyed it. To read it, I did enjoy it. But I did a poetry thing my final year. And as part of that, we had to self-publish a 30-page poetry book. And that was our... Is it still available? It's not it, not like self-publishers in Kindle oh, Publishing. Okay. We had to like get it bound properly and printed. Oh, okay. So like you did with like a dissertation kind of thing. Yeah. Um. So I have a copy of that. Yeah. Everyone is. I don't know where I put it actually. Um. I've got a copy of it on my shelf somewhere. I do like to get mine out and be like, oh yeah, <laughs> utopian housing. <laughs> well, the the print the place he sent us to get it published was an American like made-to-order printing press thing and cost £50 each book and we had to spit two and I was like hell no I'm not doing that it's a shame Campbell wasn't a thing then huh? yeah well no I just found a place in Birmingham City Centre yeah that did it for 20 quid <laughs> sounds much better but they wouldn't you can, I couldn't pick it up until the day before so it was quite stressful type of thing yeah. well you had to like to get the American one you had to submit it six weeks before the due date and I'm sorry that was never going to happen I want to always submit my work six weeks before Who's got anything day. written six weeks before? Yes, yeah, so we had to do that, plus a little book of like our ideas and our inspiration. Almost like, you know, like when you do design courses, you have to have like the concept thing. You do the same thing, but it was like definitely not your rough draft book. It was your pretty draft book. Mm-hmm. So I had a rough, rough draft book and then the pretty one, which I never got back from the uni because I went to Africa like a week after university finished. Yeah. I mean, I've got all my stuff from, like, my final project, and I have about mm. nine sketchbooks for it. Mm. I'm like, do you do these things? Yeah. I, I look through them, and I'm like, oh, look at all of that wasted talent. <laughs> as I did, the poetry professor didn't really like me, so I did I get it. Did any of your professors like me? I know, but I think I was a bit difficult. Yeah. Um, I think it was half me, half quite them. No, I was just like... <laughs> I'm paying seven and a half grand for you to do three hours of teaching. Oh, yeah. Maybe be on time? Maybe. Don't be 20 minutes late to the three hours I get with you a week. Yeah. Maybe. Don't be. And then, like, so my, the one who was originally teaching this poetry module, he got chucked out for sleeping with a student six weeks before the due date. New teacher, completely different writing style. Oh, fuck that. Already didn't like me because I'd had in previous years and had had some discussions <laughs> so, and then he literally and I'd worked out because they took through one grade from your second year and then three grades from your third year yeah. and I worked out basically I didn't need to do anything more than pass this class and I, I said I said that to him I was like you don't like my writing style we don't agree on a lot of criticisms theory kind of things just pass I was like I, re- I already know you're not going to like this work and I was like I, d- I just need to pass and he's like well you're, that's not playing the game I was like it is playing the game pal he was like, you're not even going to try. And I was like, I wrote all this stuff for the other professor. And he was like, well, you should have been writing it for the professor. And I was like, mm, writing for my audience. Are you going to be a dick about my writing? Because you... 
if so my first my one and only meeting with him was two weeks before the due date and he was like basically told me everything was shit and I was like well what the fuck do you want me to talk about that now (laughs) so anyway context of my personal history of poetry um uni's so worth the money guys if you ever, if you're interested in studying an English degree, I actually wrote a blog about things, like things to consider or things I wish I would have known before I did it. So peruse that if you're curious. I think a lot of it was I wasn't ready to go into higher education. Academia wasn't for me. It was expensive. I wasn't happy. There's just a lot going on, you know. And I, I just never thought doing a writing degree I'd have, and I don't know why I didn't think this, that I wouldn't have to routinely read my work to a room of 30 people I've just met and have it critiqued live in front of me by them and a published author. And that was happening every day. And I was just supposed to be fine with that. And I was like, it was really stressful. Yeah. <laughs> and when you write it in lesson as well, they like they give you like a thing to like a work on you, write yeah. it in lesson and you'll read it out. And like that kind of collaborative environment I thought would be really fun. No, really stressful. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Not, okay. It's just not the vibe, guys. Not the vibe. Not the vibe. Okay, so what is poetry? Poetry is a type of literature that conveys thought, describes a scene, or tells a story in a concentrated lyrical arrangement of words. Poems can be structured with rhyme lines and metre, the rhythm and emphasis of a line based on syllabic beats. Poems can also be free form, which follows no formal structure. Uh, so basically everything that was just in the paragraph before that was a lie, apparently. Um, <laughs> The basic building block of a poem is a verse known as a stanza. A stanza is a grouping of lines related to the same thought or topic, similar to a paragraph in prose. A stanza can be subdivided based on the number of lines it contains. For example, a couplet is a stanza with two lines. Um, So there's a whole bunch of definitions about what is meter, what is a stanza, and what is the rhyming scheme. Simply put, meter is the beat. Almost the rhythm of the words. Stanza is like I just said, the grouping, and then rhyming scheme is obviously traditional cat sat kind of map rhyming, and you can have half rhymes or off rhymes, or it doesn't even need to rhyme, but it just has that same lyrical bounce. Yeah, I've all of these different types reading books to my son, mm. and some of them are just so so poor. I'm like seriously, <laughs> yeah. So, there's 15 types of poetic forms. Mm-hmm. There's blank verse. So, blank verse is poetry which, written with a precise meter, almost always iambic pentameter. So, that's da 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 kind of, put simply, that does not rhyme in blank verse. Rhymed poetry, in contrast, is rhymed poems that rhyme by definition, although the scheme varies. Don't know what that means. Free verse is poetry that lacks a consistent rhyme screen, metrical pattern, or musical form. I don't enjoy reading free verse poetry. To me, it's not a poem, it's just a paragraph written differently. <laughs> Wait, so what is it again? Okay, so free verse is poetry that lacks a consistent rhyme scheme, oh, okay. metrical pattern, or musical form. So very much modern postmodern poetry. Which, the only poetry I've read probably. Yeah, it can, when it's done well, it's really good and can be really powerful, but sometimes not. And I think it's a real mixed bag and I don't tend to enjoy it. So you've got epics. An epic poem is a lengthy narrative work of poetry. These long poems typically describe extraordinary feats and adventures of characters from a distant past. Mm-hmm. There's narrative poetry. 
So it's similar to an epic poem, a narrative poem tells a story. A really famous example of this, which I'm going to share an excerpt of later, is Samuel Taylor Coleridge's The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Now, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is actually quite a fun read. Oh. Mostly because Coleridge, Coleridge was off his tits <laughs> on opium. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, like, so when I did this, the reason I have, like, fond memories of this poem, we did it at sixth form, and the English teacher was like, we're going to look at the meanings and the metaphors and stuff. She was like, but some of it, frankly, doesn't have a meaning because Coleridge was high on opium. And she was like, we just need to take that into account. <laughs> just bear in mind. Um, she was like, you won't find that in critical theories about the poem, but <laughs> some of it was just a hallucination. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, but I'm going to read a section of it later. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's bloody long, but I'll read a section later. Haiku, probably more well known. Just dust. You're waving to someone then, or just dust. Um, Haiku is a three line poetic form originating in Japan. The first line has five syllables, the second line has seven syllables, and the third line again has five syllables. Mm. These are very well known. Um, I don't need to go into that more. A pastoral poem uh, contains, uh, concerns the natural world, rural life, and landscapes. These poems have been preserved from ancient Greece, ancient Rome, to the present day. Which is a category I don't know if it's still so interesting. Mm. Sonnet, obviously very well known, a 14-line poem concerning the topic of love. Not necessarily, but almost always. Obviously the most well known of this is the Shakespearean sonnets, but I'm going to go into sonnets a bit more later. An elegy. An elegy is a poem that reflects upon death or loss. Traditionally, it contains themes of mourning, loss and reflection. How Victorian. Mm-hmm. Ode, <laughs> which is like, I love that an ode, you can do an ode to things. It's just like, who are you? Yeah, I've got a book that's like called, by Stephen Fry, it's called an Ode, ode to a something that's yeah. travelled or something, yeah. An ode is a tribute to its subject, or the subject need not be dead or even sentient. Uh, John Keats is a, has a good example of this. Limerick is a five-line poem that consists of a single stanza, an A-A-B-B-A rhyme screen. Screen. So like basically, yeah, it's like A A. Oh, no, I tried to explain that, but I can't remember how to explain it. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> I thought limericks were always dirty. Can you have non-dirty? Apparently, it's a poem. Right. A short, pithy tale. Pithy. Pithy. Lyric poetry, which eighteen hundreds loved it. Lyric poetry refers to the broad category of poetry that concerns feeling and emotion. This distinguishes itself from two other poetic categories, epic and dramatic. Mm. Ballad. A ballad is a form of narrative verse that can be either poetic or musical. It typically follows a pattern of rhymed quatrains from John Keats to Samuel Taylor Coleridge to Bob Dylan. It represents a, melod- a melodious form of storytelling. So you'll notice that there's a lot of, there's a lot of modern like songwriting that could be poetry mm. if you wrote it down differently, basically. Well, they're very similar, mm. aren't they? A soliloquy. Are you proud of me for saying that? Soliloquy. Soliloquy. <laughs> is a monologue in which a character speaks to him or herself. Why not say herself? Expressing inner thoughts that an audience might otherwise not know. Soliloquies are not definitionally poems, or they often can be. Most famously in the plays, most famously in the plays of William Shakespeare. I was going to say they're like used in plays from that on. Uh, and then the fifteenth is a villanelle. 
A 19-line poem consisted of five tercets and a quatrain with a highly specific internal rhyme scheme, don't even. Originally a variation on pastel, pastoral, the villanelle has evolved to describe obsessions and other intense subject matters, such as exemplified by Dylan Thomas. A villanelle is something a villain writes, is all I'm, that's villain- what I've decided now. We had to, we had to write villanelles in my second oh, year. Oh no. Painful. Yeah. Like, honestly, uh, like you, you could spot second year you, like students who were studying this because they're sat in the library going to because it's all on the syllable count. And then you're like, and then you're like breaking down words. Like, does that have three or two? Like, mm. so you're going like. <coughs> so if you're ever wondering how to count your syllables, you clap, clap along to your words. So I do have an example of a villanelle because I thought that would be interesting. Because it's different. Because it can bring back some trauma for you. Yeah. Uh, my my villanelle I wrote was actually Alice in Wonderland inspired to do with the clock and stuff so I've got the most famous example of this which is like often read at funerals in my bad do not go gentle into that good night ready Mm -hmm. I'm reciting poetry do you have to look deep into your eyes (laughs) I'd rather you didn't it would feel uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) okay I want our listeners to imagine intense eye contact and we'll find out if this is creepy or not. Uncomfortably <laughs> intense eye contact. Uh, my pupils are two different sizes, so just picture that. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, this one. I'm crappy it's, it's only romantic if you wrote it yourself. <laughs> okay. And if you stop pretending to be straight, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I disappointed you. <laughs> Look at the way I'm dressed. Be mean to my son when he's older than feet. He said he's straight up. Like what a it's just a what face. a waste. <laughs> it's just a face. Look at how I'm dressed. Though, yeah, like, I know. Like, like, and also, I cut this. Top. I know. You are literally dressed as a lesbian today. You've cosplayed a lesbian today. <laughs> I just like confusing. Me. And at work, I refer to like people's husbands as partners. Yeah as a generic term and I always see people like clocking me and I'm like keep 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 on your toes <laughs> right go um, for it okay do not go gentle into that good night old age should burn and rave at the close of the day rage rage against the dying of the light though wise men at their end know dark is right because their words have fought no lightning they do not go gentle into that good night good men the last way by crying how bright de- bright the frail deeds might have danced in Green Bay, rage, rage against the dying of the light. While men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on the way, on its way, do not go gentle into that good night. Yeah, it's really easy to get a rhyming scheme if you use the same bloody rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> Grave men near death who see blinding sight, blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears. I pray. Do not go gentle with that good night. Rage, rage against the dying. Delight. I like the part where it talked about rage. <laughs> you feel rage too. This is my critical analysis. I like <laughs> the rage part. <laughs> I identified with the rage. Yeah. Um, you can also, there's some poets.org, you can um, get that, them to play that out loud for you. So if you don't want to sit there reading it, they'll play it for you. Oh, so, <laughs> when you're at a funeral, you can be like, <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I don't know, there's a lot going on there. So Connection yeah. dropped. <laughs> so five tercets and a quatrain is what we just... Hmm. And the rhyming scheme, yeah, as you've heard, is kind of odd, but since Dylan Thomas just chose to use the word night, quite easy to rhyme with that over and over. Uh, you don't necessarily have to have the same rhyme at the end of stan- every stanza, by the way. You could have different rhymes. Okay. That's why I was mocking him. Because you know, I'm better than a world-famous poet. I'm better than a world-famous poet. You know better than poet. that. Um, so, I tried to find a condensed version of the history of poetry. Quite hard, especially not finding one that was just Western. That's quite ironic, considering poems are normally quite short. Yeah. Is it irony? Is it? I don't know. Colonial is ironic, don't you think? Okay. So, what you need? I had to write before notes. I start singing more. <laughs> <laughs> I had to write notes in two different places because I've got the website that I've got, which is like very much the Western history of poetry. Uh-huh. But then I went and tried to find some notes on the brief, brief history of poetry outside of kind of Western poetry. So outside of Greece and the Renaissance and all of that. So, it predates written text as oral, oral st- storytelling or... Oriel. Oriel. <laughs> yeah. Oral storytelling or prayer. So, a lot of prayer is just poetry. Really? Yeah. It's just math poems. Just poems about God. <laughs> so, obviously in Africa, poetry dates back to prehistoric times. Early examples of written poetries are found in Egyptian texts in the pyramids. Performance poetry, theatrical performances of poetry were a part of pre-colonial African culture and it was used for political, educational, spiritual entertainment purposes. So there's a strong history there of oral story. Any indigenous nation has a strong history of oral storytelling to the point where, like, I don't know, there's things with, like, there's land structures in Australia they can't explain. But if they finally went and asked the Aboriginal tribes who have a story, an yeah. oral story that's been passed out that explains how it happened, going back millennia, like, to the early humans, because that's just been passed down yeah. as an oral story. So anyway, there is examples in Sumeria. It's the oldest poem known, the poem of Giglamesh, or the Ballad of Giglamesh. You have found a few different names for it. Uh, both based on Sumerian oral traditions, Adventures of the King of Gilgamesh of Uruk. And it was written on clay tablets yeah. around 2000 BC. So back in the day. <laughs> and then Hebrew poetry found, and also parts of this can be found in the Bible as well, even the Christian Bibles, the Psalms. <laughs> but there's, I found this, I sort of found this whole, look it up, because this is stuff I didn't know about Hebrew poetry and the long history of Jewish poems. And how it, I mean, it ties into like a lot of religious texts, but anyway, that was between the 11th and 3rd century BC. So again, strong, strongly, probably strongly influences even Greek poetry. Yeah. Because yeah. I've got the date of like uh, famous ancient poetry written here. Odyssey was 800 to 685 BC. So the Hebrew poetry predates it. Yeah. And the African poetry does predate it. I don't really understand the whole BC thing. I don't know how it works, but anyway. <laughs> I used to know. And it goes backwards, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I can feel my brother shaking his head. Christ isn't less than I think I think in some like academic stuff they're using different words for BC and all that now, but this is the what I found on Yeah, I think they use like before culture as we know it or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 
for civilization for us, you know. There's also Chinese poetry has a really, really strong history. One of the most famous is the Odes of Poetry. And that was, uh, now again, I find this from Western people writing about it. I hope that's correct. Yeah. Because they defined it by a different name on another site. So, anyway, early existing collections of Chinese poetry and stories. So that's like a, someone collected it all together from oral tradition from 11th to the 7th century BC. Mm. So again, follows traditions in both oral and written styles corresponding to the different dynastic eras. So basically each dynastic era in China had sort of a corresponding style, or at least how it's categorised. I thought that was interesting. So that was like a really brief of what I could find outside of the route that most poems there take the history of poetry. Yeah. But basically everyone's written poems from the dawn time. I was going to say, it must be like one of the oldest things. Mm -hmm. So... This side because especially well. if it has like a rhyme to it, it's easier to remember to pass on. Mm-hmm. So prayers were done that way, stories were done that way, history was told that way. You know, you might have learned about your own family story from a poem, like uh, like a basically a poem, yeah, or a song. Like poetry and song had a lot of crossover until yeah. maybe the last hundred and fifty years. Technically, a lot of songs I think are just poems. Well, yeah, anyway. yeah. So you've got ancient poetry, which is five thousand BC. It's written here. Homer, Vigil. And you've got medieval poetry, which is 400 AD. So the medieval period, at the same time as this... poetry about horses. Yeah. (laughs) At the same time as this, roughly, this obviously, I think, the Islamic Golden Age. They had cool poetry. We had poetry about horses. Beowulf is a very well-known example of a medieval poem. So that's what you will know. Yeah. Then the Renaissance era. So basically you had... Greek poets that were heavily influenced by Hebrew poetry and Romans war systems, they were all kind of together at the same time. Aristotle's Poetics that he wrote, which was kind of a series of rules classifying poetry, he wrote that and it was highly influential and influenced poetry in Rome, in the Islamic Golden Age, so that kind of got passed around. So he classified three genres of poetry, the epic, comic and tragic and he established kind of the rules of each type of genre and honestly Aristotle was kind of held on and then in the Renaissance that's when they bring it back mm. Aristotle, all this stuff kind of gets rediscovered during the Renaissance period and including Aristotle's poetics and they use a lot of that during the Renaissance period yeah so heavily influenced by Greece and Rome love, nature, religion I mean it's the same as the kind of paintings you'll find from this era yeah the sort of thing, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And then mm. we move on to the era, which is like William Shakespeare, neoclassical, which is 17th century. Uh-huh. And then the Romantic era, which is 1798 to 1850. This is the bit I studied the most at university. So that's Wordsworth, Coleridge, those kind of poets. And then modern poetry is 1850 to present, which is arguably a bit too long. And we're kind of in postmodernism. And I think mm. we've gone past postmodernism, and I don't know the name for that era now. Yeah. So postmodern poetry was like 1950s, 1960s onwards. Yeah, we're definitely. So, yeah. I have a complicated relationship with modern poetry. And then America had a very different track through the modern poetry. So um, T.S. Eliot is a good example of an American poet. 
they went kind of a different way to us with modern poetry. Mm. Um, so Amer- this is not American poetry, which changed a lot. Yeah. Like there's a real split during that 1800 period in poetic styles. So that's a real rough run through the timeline. I couldn't find one site that put it all in one place. That would be too helpful. But modern poetry, yeah, is roughly the 20th century into the 21st. Lyric poetry goes back to the 7th century. I don't know why they always separated lyric, lyric poetry, but anyway. So, I have a few examples of some poems. So I've got the most famous sonnet ever written, Sonnet 18. You'll know it. Most people don't know it's Sonnet 18. I did. There's a really funny quote that basically... A man writes one sonnet about a woman he loves. He loves that woman. A man writes 148 sonnets. He loves sonnets. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And there's also a huge series of Shakespearean sonnets. About half of them are written to a man. Which they, they go very non-gendered at one point. Interesting. So Shakespearean scholars have a lot of theories about which ones are written to his wife. Which ones are written to a man. Who that man was. So there's that whole thing, if you ever feel like diving into it. I just remembered something that I need to show you about. What? That, that book that I was talking about yeah. last week's episode, Library of the Unwritten. Yeah. Yeah. She, the librarian, used to be married to Shakespeare. <gasps> oh, I love that! She's talking about that. <laughs> Lots of sonnets written to her. So I think, I think it's like sonnet 50 onwards is supposed to be, like, it's theorised to be written about that. That's his gay period. Mm-hmm. Roughly, that's real rough knowledge from my uni days. So, we love really Shakespeare do. as a queen. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to read into the books too much. Like, Elizabethan theatre was really queer. Yeah, the whole <laughs> like, lot. The was. whole thing of it is, and it was men performing in dresses because women weren't allowed to be actresses because it was considered sort scandalous. Of, yeah. It's also you've got men in drag. Like. And then the one where, um, Twelfth Night, where it's like women dressed up as men and men dressed up as yeah. women. And Cross, cross-dressing mm. or whatever you want to call it. He's yeah. just living his queer life. Mm-hmm. So, here's one of the most famous sonnets. Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, and summer lease hath all too short a date. Summer time too hot the eye of heaven shines and often his gold complexion dimmed and every fair from fair sometime declines by chances or nature's changing course untrimmed by thy eternal summer shall not fade nor lose possession of that fair thou owest now nor share death brag now wanderous in his shade when in eternal lines in time thou growest so long as men can breathe or eyes can see so long lives this and this gives life to thee Fun. Well, I knew the first few lines. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I wrote a poem in you based off of that. Oh. Someone living on a turn in poetry. It was very... <laughs> angsty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the most you all have known that, but I don't think anyone's ever heard it all the way through. No, I... It was a beautiful rendition. I didn't stumble over my words from once. No, that was <laughs> And there were so many words that I did not know the meaning of. Or what? And also, often his gold complexion mm. dimmed. So yeah, that's Sonnet 18. So maybe I've got the numbers wrong of when when we go through the gay phase. When he, when he met a man. So rhyme of the ancient mariner, which is okay. I just want you to see how long rhyme of the ancient mariner is. Oh, it's in parts. Look. Wait. 
This is a poem. This is, yeah. This it's is like a, a play. Oh my god. Hang on. I don't know why it said bored. <laughs> iPad was like, you've scrolled too much. Clearly, you just want to flick off of. Oh, there, I'm still no. going. I'm still going. There you go. How many parts was that? Like five? I think it's in three parts. What? I'm sure it's three. Oh no, part V I I. So yeah, seven. That is crazy. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna read it all to us? No, I'm <laughs> good because I will fall asleep. <laughs> I was gonna do the middle section on the ship because this is a bit where he was clearly off his tits. So this, the Ram the Ancient Mariner is basically some guy is at a wedding and at the wedding is this old sailor and this old sailor's like, I have a tale of warning for you. Um, Just what you always want to hear at a wedding. And then we go into the, the story of the the sailor. Basically they got um, becalmed, which is kind of the thing where basically you end up in a spot in the ocean where there's no current, there's no breeze and you get stuck. And soldiers would just, not soldiers, sailors would just die. Because when they run out of water, that's it. They can't go anywhere. They're dead. And it's... But they wish they had some morals. Yeah, so they're basically, they're sort of... Before they're becalmed, one of them shoots an albatross. And the albatross, like, imagery is found everywhere when you start to look for it, once you know about this. It's, like, really influential, okay. even though it's batshit. <laughs> Imagine that being your legacy. You wrote a load of shit one night when you're off your tits, and people still it's talk really about fam- it. It's a really, really famous yeah. poem. Like, there's a few... Like, he wrote stories as well, which are not half bad, to be honest. Mostly because, he, yeah, he was off his tits. Yeah. <laughs> There's a secret to most of the poetry in this era, is they were all off their tits and opium. Most of the authors were as well. <laughs> if they're male, yeah. they're taking things. <laughs> they are, certainly. And then, so we go to the ship, they're becalmed, one of them shoots an albatross, they get, like, cursed, all the people die, and then all the, like, skeleton ship crewmates are like working the ship and the guy goes mad basically what a lovely wedding story but it's a lesson about like shooting something innocent because he just shot it for the sake of it it, it didn't feed them he just shot an albatross for no reason so that's yeah and then he he escapes but he's like basically cursed you guys ready are those her ribs through which the sun did peer as though a gate and is that woman all her crew? Is that a death? And are there two? Is there is death that woman's mate? Her lips were red, her looks were free. Her locks were yellow as gold. Her skin was white as leprosy. The nightmare, life and death was she. Who fixed man? Who fixed man's blood with cold? The naked hulk alongside came, and twain was cast in dice. The game is done. I've won. I've won. Quoth she and whistles thrice. The sun's rim dips. The stars rush out, and at one stroke comes to the dark. With forehead whisper oversee, a shot the spectre bark. We listened and looked sideways up, fear at my heart as at a cup. My lifeblood did seem to seep. The stars were dim and thick the night, the steersman faced by lamp gleam white. From the sails the dew did drip, till climb above the eastern bar, the horned moon with one bright star with neither the tip. All of this is basically like we were being cursed. <laughs> yeah. I yes. just... You said a lot of words at me. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. I heard about ribs. <laughs> and that the tip. Was basically, <laughs> the god of death coming to see them and cursing them, I think. It's been a really long time since they <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. If you ever got an hour to kill, whilst you're reading give it that, a go. I just started thinking of the film Old by Shyamalan, which I watched recently. <laughs> Did you just like dissociate? Uh, yeah, <laughs> into, into the film because I was like, oh, ribs, and there's ribs in that film. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you just hungry? <laughs> okay. So I've got a list of most influential poets. I'm not going to talk about them beyond just reading their names. Then I'm going to read you my favourite poem. Yeah! And we're doing alright for time. I, I am powering through this a bit because I don't know how interesting it will be. So... And there's a lot of me talking, and a lot of you just yeah. trying to stay awake. I've done these episodes before, and obviously you've mm. done them before. It can be hard when you're doing a lot of the talking. Well, I'd, yeah, I don't know. I, might, I could be boring. I don't know. We could be just background noise. So we've got William Shakespeare, Maya, Shakespeare. Maya Angelou, yeah. who you know I'm a big fan of, um, Emily Dickinson. Yeah, who is he again? Oh my god, should I tell the story again? <laughs> have you ever told it? Like, I think I've told it on the podcast. podcast, podcast. Yeah. Basically, I have a tattoo that's inspired by a Maya Angelou poem. And I was at a bar and a guy was like creeping on me and I really wasn't giving any signals of like I was reciprocating. And then I kind of had enough. I was at this bar for waiting to be served for ages and he just would not leave me alone. So then he was like asking about my tattoos. And I said, oh, that one's... Um, for a poem by Maya Angelou and the guy was like oh I like him and I was like oh yeah how much of his stuff have you read loads 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 I love it I love it it's great it's really inspiring and I was like do me a favour can you google him for me and then he googled him and obviously an older black lady <laughs> comes up top of the set and I'm like now please tell me how much you enjoy his poetry yeah oh, <laughs> so anyway Tony did not go on a date with that man no it didn't work out <laughs> what a shame <laughs> <laughs> Emily Dickinson whose poetry I do not enjoy and there was a very pretentious <laughs> you sound so angry about no there was a really pretentious girl at my uni that had a whole thing about Emily Dickinson she had like a proper like, hard on for oh, she used to like derail every lesson to be like that semicolon reminds me of Emily, Di- Emily Dickinson I was like fuck off that semicolon genuinely real sentence and the tutor was like Amazing. No. <laughs> Robert Frost, Pablo Neruda, E.E. E. Cummins, Langston Hughes, Walt Whitman, Thomas Hardy, Rudyard Kipling, Oscar Wilde. Love Oscar Wilde. His poetry is great. Also, any quotes by Oscar Wilde is a great guy. His, his books are good as well. John Keats, wife beater. Uh, and like, famous for abusing his wife, but still one of the most... Was it Keats or is it William Blake? Or is it both of them? It's just tarnished both their names. They're both white yeah. men, probably. We don't care. Estate. It might be Williamsworth. Where everyone was married to Sylvia Plath. I can't remember who it was. But anyway, all this whole era is dodgy men. Is she the author of the bell jar? Mm-hmm. I've not read that. Elizabeth Barrett Browning, William Blake, Sylvia Plath, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, William Wordsworth, Mark Twain, Ralph Waller Emerson, John Donne, W.B. Yeats. Yeats' poems are quite nice, they're just about the countryside. The Wander Lonely as a Cloud, which you will have heard. Yeah. That's Keith Yeats. Oh my god, maybe I'm, I don't know. He's like, I saw a tree, it was glorious. Yeah. Lord Byron, hmm. Dodgy. <laughs> Lewis Carroll, who's obviously famous as Jabberwocky, the Lewis Carroll. And that's the guy who wrote. Alfred Lord Tennyson, Dante, can't read that surname, T.S. Eliot, Ezra Pound, John Milton, Sappho, Homer, this is one of the ancient poets here, Lee Bay, which is from the Tang Empire, so I like that they've included that on this list, Jalal al-Din Rumi, Day Afghanistan, but I'll, I'm sorry, I misread that, 
birthplace is in present day in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what, just the whole one second? <laughs> misread that. Birthplace is in Afghanistan. <laughs> it doesn't say what era he's from. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Uh, famous poem Masnavi i Manavi is a spiritual verse. And I'm very sorry how if I've butchered those words. I did my best. So that's your kind of list there. Um if you ever w- want to read any ancient poetry, I do actually have book Homer, like for books. Um I do actually want, want to, to read some Greek old dudes. Yeah. Um, okay. They um they thought that a small penis was the best option. So. <laughs> is that your Greek fact? <laughs> That's why they have small penises in statues. Longer penises make you have smaller brain. Oh, true. So, <laughs> um, you wanted to reproduce with a man of a small penis because it meant he had high intellect. I feel like um a leader who had a micro penis made that. Remarkable. Yeah, <laughs> it's propaganda. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the reason most of these statues either have no willies or have leaves covering their willies? Like most of these I, ancient. I feel statues. like I did know this, but I can't think. An ancient Rome, Catholic Church today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, was it the church? They came in like circumcised. <laughs> yeah, so there was like statues. a um, when I was travelling Europe, there were certain. Places they were trying to like carefully remove the fig leaves to find like the original. I have the full original statue. We want to see the like, original penis. Please. How badly do you need to see <laughs> Stone Willie? Like, does it matter? I can I can knock you one up if you want. <laughs> like, I'm not I'm not great at, at stonework, but I can make your penis out. Honestly, of when you do like sightseeing and you do like Italy and other European countries back to back, you end up kind of getting a bit seeing a lot of penises complacent about like. Uh, yeah, that's a stone man with a penis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, we get it. You're all gay. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> There's half naked ladies. I mean, I did like that with the a lot of that art. Obviously, that's when being a bit rounder mm. is seen as attractive. Being well fed was and, sexy. Yeah, and it's I don't get to see my body type in a portrayal of where it's pretty very often. So that was quite nice to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and we are... What year were you born? 93. Don't scared at me. <laughs> you always act like you're so much older than me. <laughs> no, but we are of the era of the Wither Finn supermodel yeah. that's fucked up all of our generation's um, relationships with bodies. When Gen Z are like, oh, I don't get why you don't want loads of rice jeans back and like lots of 90s fashion is coming back and it's great. Because it fucked us all up. And we're still dealing with it now. You know, when the... Yeah, when the standard is... I don't know. I just remember when we hit the era where, like, big bums and curves came into fashion. I know. And it was just, like, for me, suddenly I went from having this body type where everyone was kind of secretly shaming me. Oh, you're curvy, though. Men love a curvy girl. Like, very much fetishizing it. And then it, the era came, came in of, like, where that changed a little bit. And I don't know, the body positive has got, sometimes it's a little bit toxic and I don't always love that mm. movement. Because I think... Every every movement has the toxic side. And also I think there's too much emphasis on, like, everyone is beautiful. Maybe you're not beautiful. Maybe that word doesn't have you to have so much power. Mm. Maybe you don't need to be beautiful to be worthy. Yeah, like, I remember, like, when I was a teenager, everything was like, does my bum look big in this because you didn't want it to look big? But now mm. when I get dressed, I'm like, does my butt look big? 
I we, want it to look big. No, but where we live, it's still kind of the standard of beauty is thin, blonde, long hair. Just a certain body type, a certain look. Um, it's a bit Essexy, almost yeah. Essex, but borrowed and weirdly Londonized because we're in a we're in a kind of a middle area. Like, even even though you wouldn't think it'd be possible, but like an even cheaper version of Essex. Mm. <laughs> the look, <laughs> yeah, Essex knockoff. So, and that's like what I grew up with. And whenever like I don't know, my friends would get flirted with, I'd be like invisible. And to this day, I'm still largely invisible when I go out in clubs with my friends. Oh in yeah, this, yeah, in this town, unless there is non-English people there or people like, of a non-English heritage my, my when I obviously I don't really go out now and mm. I have since becoming a mum my friendship group is really whittled down in a good way mm. um, but I remember like when I used to go out a lot um, I have very beautiful friends and I was very yes, much so the, the one on the side yeah. <laughs> the one they talk to to get to the friend or the yeah. one they've got a cup with the smoking area I have or like their friend had to talk to me and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Or I get stuck with their creepy weird friends and yeah. I get told off for being rude and yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry, I depend no, on my little being here. I don't I want just to talk to this creep. Drunk. I don't yeah. Want to talk to pervert. No, I do quite like making fun of men in smoking areas though, but I get told off by my friends for being mean now, and I'm like, why do I have to be nice to them? <laughs> women don't have to be nice to creeps no. or anyone. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> when I moved to Birmingham was the first, the first time, apart from a holiday in Ibiza, first time someone had told me the way I was shaped was pretty. Like the first time ever. Where, honestly, one of my old housemates, she just used to go on and on about my shape. And she's like, I'd, I'd wear something kind of walking around and she'd just like yell compliments from another room. She was a, oh, yeah, she's a real like confidence oh, booster as a person. And she used to like get boys on nights out and be like, look at it. <laughs> um, and she was honestly just like, and I, I where Birmingham's a bit more multicultural, where there is a different standard of beauty, I was getting hit on in public, but I didn't know it was a compliment. So I've been called thick by boys in public and I came home crying and I was like, I've just got to call thick. Okay. And they're like, yeah, but was it, were it two C's? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some guy followed. I mean, it's creepy. He's following me around the supermarket, just shouting thick thighs at me, and I was like, genuinely distraught. <laughs> they're not dumb. They're quite smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my friend's like, I'm fat, and she's like, oh, honey. <laughs> like, I didn't used to wear jeans. It was a whole thing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's why. Oh, skinny. Fashion. Have you seen? This is an absolute tangent now. I can't remember how we got down this route. We were talking about penis size. Okay, cool. And I've seen that AK Malford has been sharing loads of duets of like thighs because she really loves thighs. And I'm like, oh, it's Remy as well. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, look at those thighs. Yeah. So, yeah, Um, the the fact that we're getting started to get some curvy representation in fantasy fiction, I fucking love that. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than like all of you know our teenage and early 20s yeah. you couldn't picture yourself in the romance novels because they were always i think it's that thing of i was never told how girls. i looked was attractive yeah that's the thing i've just never seen myself no and um because of that like i know i don't know if it's the same with you mm. but i know that i put up with some very poor choices for romantic partners because mm. i didn't think i was worth any bit more because i was like well, I'm not attracted. I mean, even now, I like often say to my partner, I never had 
like a a sexy time in my life. Yeah, like, I've never been considered sexy in my life. It was that that time was at uni where I just suddenly I think when it that's when I felt the most attracted. I'm obviously I've moved back here where I'm not the standard of beauty anymore. Or, or well, I'm not that I'm the standard of beauty. You know, no, I mean? but, like, but like yeah, what is conventionally attractive here? I'm not it. Um, and in personality, I'm not conventionally the way they want me to be either. Is what it is. You should just embrace your lesbian. <laughs> so much you would be so appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> so I moved back here, and I obviously lost that. But the time when I was at uni, um, it was great. It is you do slightly go the other way, where it's like you have got guys who are a bit creepy about the fact they like a fat girl, oh, and yeah, it's like kind of overcorrect. <laughs> but that's like a fetishization of that yeah, yeah. curviness. Um, but you know, there's that that TikToker. Who she does curvy fitness kind of tips and she does like therapy tips as well but she does like fitness tips without diet culture so at the exclusion of no diet culture no weight loss culture but she has a really really hunky like supermodel looking boyfriend anytime she shares a picture of them together the comments she gets are oh, horrific yeah oh wait is that the husband and wife mm-hmm. I love them so she's much. so nice she's isn't so she so wonderful yeah but the comments she gets are disgusting yeah and um, it makes me sad and like you can just and it's, it's again see the it's, love he has on the yeah. way he looks at he her he has his own account by the way and most of it's just pictures, pictures videos of her um, I like the ones where she um, he doesn't know to begin with that she's recording it because she's trying mm. to do something or whatever. And he just comes in and like grabbing her ass and like... <laughs> but again, the, for me, I've never seen my body type picture with a man like that where it's not like a creepy fetish like I like bad girls. Like, kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, again. Um, the author, Olivia Dade, I read that Teach Me book by her. Yeah. All of her female protagonists mm. are curvy women. And all of the males are conventionally attractive. So they mm. are good books to read. And I think all the males like worship the Browns that they walk on. As they should. Yeah. Um, and the Brown Sisters trilogies. Okay. Trilogy. Talia Hibbert. I just like it's just becoming like more books are having I think all the colours of the rainbow just in want it. to see themselves yeah. represented in so stories. Just that. So I bought... There's a site called Snag Tights. Have you heard of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I so always get their adverts. On so they're chopper up shorts. I bought them for the wedding. I, need I went to, get to recently. Something. Yeah. But my dad didn't understand why this was such a big deal for me. They had height, and then they, you could select by like where you wear your weight. Because you can be the same size but look completely different in clothing, just because where your weight sits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, it does sit in in my curves. So I'm quite lucky in that respect. But I am literally. They had a five foot two model with my build, with weight sitting more in my weight sits. Mm. And I was like, Dad, this is the first time in my life I've ever seen a piece of clothing I wanted to buy on someone who looked like me. Yeah. I was like, that, that, he was like, honestly, my dad could not understand how he, I was like, you could open any magazine and you'd, maybe not the ones with fitness models, (laughs) he's 50 or something, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you could see yourself, you know, there's even the plus size men's clothing. Plus those women's clothing, they have a flat stomach and perfect curves. And plus size models are perfect curves. Plus size models are not even plus size. No, they get padded. Yeah. They're, they're, they're slimmer just, models They're just like padding. a size 12 and I'm like... With padding that's not plus to make... Size. Yes. Just that's just not a size 6. So I, in a, I honestly just tried to make my dad in some way was such a big deal for me to see 
a piece of clothing on someone who looked like me. Yeah. And I was like, well, I've lived 28 years of have my life seen, and I've like, never seen it. Terrible adverts where they have like a woman standing in one leg of the jean to show like that it looks like a plus size pair of jeans. And she just stands in one leg and shows like how much it's. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Awful. Anyway, that was the complete tangent. <laughs> Start with Greek Renaissance art and end up here. No. I think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys enjoy that? <laughs> <laughs> Body positive. Anyway, oh. tiny penises back there. Anyway, so I was going to read you my favourite poem. <laughs> Should we change the title? <laughs> we were serious for a really long time then. <laughs> it was just... Read me your favourite poem. Okay. Tell me about it. It is the one I have a tattoo of. Okay. And I will say, I'm not going to do this justice. You can find the author recorded videos of herself reading her poems and they're all on YouTube. Maya Angelou has such a distinctive voice. Mm. She's the poet laureate for America. I don't think I've ever heard her actually. Uh, I'll oh, send me send me some YouTube videos and I'll go um, down a rabbit hole. They give me goosebumps. Like she just oh, any in her speaking in general there's like you can get lots of books like letters to my daughters and the opening thing is just like you are all my daughters. It's like a letter to women basically but if the opening thing is just like oh actually made me choke up when I read it I just so, I love when women and she was like I don't know 80s American like African American author big you know she had she openly say everyone's welcome in my home gay straight blah 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 like all whatever nationality whatever religion you are all welcome in my home like she has like she's on record saying she's just a cool lady she did lots for it is that just not she did lots for American rights. She didn't get... She got given uh, an honorary by Barack Obama when she was in her 80s. And she didn't receive any before that. She spoke... Uh, oh, she, oh, the only, the only president that was a king. Yeah, she, she <laughs> spoke during the commencement stuff for him as well. So she read, read out a poem then. Um, I love, like... I'm just going to do a little yeah. Barack Obama fan, fan girly. <laughs> I love when he talks about Michelle. Mm. And did you see that bit where he like introduced her or mm. whatever and he was like, I know you're just here to see like my wonderful wife. I can't. Yeah. I'm getting emotional. <laughs> okay. Let's so do this. This is Still I Rise by Maya Angelou. I wanna do this properly. I'm still not gonna do it justice anyway, because I'm hearing it in her voice, but you may write me down in history with your bitter twisted lies. You may trod me in the de- very dirt, but st- still, like dust, I'll rise. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Because I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room. Just like moons and like suns, with a certainty of ties, just like hope springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes? Shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries. Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Because I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard. You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes, you may kill me with your hatefulness, but still like air, I'll rise. Does my sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise that I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs? Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean leaping and wide, welling and swelling I bear in the tide. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, I rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, I rise. 
Bring the gifts that my ancestors gave. I am the dream and the hope of the slave. I rise, I rise, I rise. That was lovely. That was really nice. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's Aww. heavily rooted in America's own history as she is a black American. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, as a white person, who have a tattoo of it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I just, the still I rise thing, I just really like that as yeah. a mantra in it stuff. Like, just still I rise. And also that whole thing of rising above, which is very much Michelle Obama's thing, which is probably why she was, she spoke at his, um, she, you know, you always rise above. We all, they always have to like go above and that kind of thing. So yeah. I just love her. Um, <laughs> but I would reckon when she, oh, when she reads it, the way she reads it, especially like, does my sassiness upset you? Does my sexiness offend you? Like seeing an eight-year-old Maria Angelou read that out oh, is just yeah. so good. There was so much that that I could imagine being slogans on boards for current protests that are happening. Like, mm. yeah, that is amazing. Yeah. So anyway, oh, that I is like that, that is my favorite poem. I always wondered where that came from. This since still I rise, and now I mm. It took me ages to find like a non-tacky tattoo of it as inspiration, mm. and when I finally found one, I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> the one. Yeah, but unfortunately, the person did my tattoo. He no longer is tattooing. So I can't even recommend you guys to him. No. <laughs> but I was like, here's what I want. Here's the inspiration. Do a thing. And then he made exactly what I wanted. And I was like, sick. <laughs> nice. Cheers, <Bob. laughs> So, yeah. So that was a bit different. I hope you enjoyed it. I was talking for a very long time. But... I joined him with penises. <laughs> you contributed <laughs> to the penis section. <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> Um, I was gonna ask. I feel like I know the answer, but do you have a favourite poem? I don't think so. No, I didn't. It's not really your thing, is it? No, I've only really read like I can't even remember. She's got Ru- Rudy Carr, who's like a, re- a mm. very recent poet, mm. and I don't think she would be your vibe. I don't read a lot of poetry generally. Like Maya yeah. Angelou is one I discovered through school, and um, it just kind of stuck with me. No, I really get like a song lyrics deep in me, mm. which, as we discussed, is kind of like poetry. Mm. I think like people who aren't her fans, because her fans will praise her forever, mm. um, give her a bit of a like look down there. But Taylor Swift has some really beautiful lyrics. There's a spoken word guy who whose poet whose thing I've gone back to a few times on YouTube. Pages Matam. Um, I can't remember the name of the poem, mm. but it's about um, basically he's he, the, to the man on the bus. There we go. Which I, I might play you after. I don't know if you might find a bit triggering, but because it's basically a man on the bus says to his friend, "She's too ugly to be raped," and he makes a whole poem about that. Like, tell my fifteen-year-old student that she was like, yeah, too. Mm. So, and it's really it's spoken word, and it's really powerful. So, if you want to look that up, that's on YouTube. It's a bit heart-heavy, so just warnings, but. Really beautiful spoken word. Um, and there's a particular song by Slipknot. Mm-hmm. It's called Snuff. It's actually my favourite Slipknot yeah. song. And it is beautiful. It's absolute poetry. His mm-hmm. voice is wonderful. And it, if you don't listen to Slipknot because they're quite heavy, this is fine. Like, listen to okay. this one song and it's beautiful. Yeah, but Pell and Ateen song is quite beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. Autumn Leaves. Just to give me goosebumps. And, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. I don't really... 
I'm trying to think if I even. I think like the only poetry I've got on my shelf, if it even is poetry, is that odes to a whatever less travelled by Stephen Fry. I think I've got a lot of it in my you know my modern classics collection. Yeah. There's a lot of poetry in there, but I actually don't. I don't enjoy sitting and reading poetry no. that much. Um, and I have a book by Tim Burton called mm. Oyster Boy and Other Stories, and that's like little short stories that are poems. Um, but I think when you're going through all of your poetry mm. stuff, I could relate so much of it to the children's books I read to myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You're heavily influenced. Because it's easier for them to learn that way, isn't it, with rhymes and stuff? Oh, it's meant to be yeah, easier for them to learn language and speech that rhymes as well. Mm. And that's why you have like, like ABCs are in a song and stuff like that. Yeah, because the ABCs actually have no need to be in any order. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Next so. time we might not talk about penises, or we might talk about penises and tentacles. <laughs> don't we, don't it depends we have to talk about penises is. in almost every episode this week that we've recorded <laughs> on our recording day? Yeah. <laughs> That's why I've been alert. <laughs> <laughs> we should need to get some tentacle penises in, and That's please are here. What's <laughs> every my Kraken books? <laughs> oh my god! You're gonna have to like send me like pictures of <laughs> any good scenes. Like, just read me a quote. Just, just drop me a voice note with a quote. I can't wait. <laughs> I just that's it. Like in the in the Discord group, I'm in the mm-hmm. resident like smart reader, um, who we can ask her for um, recommendations because she's read like every smart. I do want us to do a smart stuff. episode. Yeah. Um, I was like. How about some Kraken with the little eyes, like emoji? And she was like, I got some. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, fish. From ancient Greek poetry to monster penises. We have it all. <laughs> <laughs> we have something for everyone. Oh my god, wait, that's the episode title, probably. <laughs> I recently um, gave this. Gave the podcast link to um, a mum at the school, and now I'm regretting it. <laughs> I keep telling people at my work about this, and I'm like, oh, but I actually don't listen. And I, 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 I genuinely said to them, I was like, I'm not particularly filtered on the podcast. Yeah. So um, if you want the non-professional version, that's what you're getting. Yeah. Like when people say to me, like, oh, when when I'm working for those estate <laughs> agents, and they're like, oh, well, we know the real, real you, don't we? And I was like, no. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh right alright love you as a friend see you soon I love share you. your penis stories in Instagram it was a really <laughs> weird time for me to be saying I love you <laughs> while I, I was like penis penis, penis. <laughs> <laughs> right bye bye bye